Welcome to the She Shines podcast with your hosts, brand photographer and serial entrepreneur, Anna Laura, and super proud career woman with a passion for entrepreneurship, Alex. Tune in for some connection, community, and girl talk. Plus, join their conversations with other entrepreneurs and professionals who've been there, built that, and are paying it forward. They'll take your burning questions and turn them into actionable steps with a glass of champagne in hand. Here we go. to get ready to get out of the house to go to work and regrow my hair my eyebrows and eyelashes all these things were happening at one time and i realized that what was dictating my life every morning was the fact that i couldn't wear a bra and it was changing the way i was dressing myself which was changing the way i was expressing myself which was changing my personality and the person that i am because i felt so angry every morning and it just, I, I always had a sketch pad by my bed because I would wake up with designs in my head. And I woke up and I just wrote down bra. <laughs> in today's episode, we chat with Dana Donafrey, founder and CEO of Ana Ono Intimates, to discover how she became a fashion designer of lingerie and loungewear for breast cancer thrivers and the business and personal challenges she faced along the way. Through Anna Ono's community and mission of Never Alone, Dana has provided the space for women to talk and deal with their challenges together as a community. As fellow career women and entrepreneurs, we were really excited to learn tips from Dana on dealing with self-doubt, overcoming professional challenges, and how to find your community. In this episode, we chat about the resources and skills needed to turn your vision into a reality, how to balance personal challenges while growing a business, how to get over fear and self-doubt by creating a strong mindset, and non-traditional but fun and effective ways to conduct market research and find your target audience. So if you're ready, let's dive in. This episode of the She Shines podcast is brought to you by Ana Ono. Ana Ono creates bras, sports bras, loungewear, swimwear, and more for women with breast cancer by women with breast cancer. Choosing Ana Ono means choosing to be a part of a community of women thriving at all stages. Founder and designer Dana made it her mission to design specifically for women who have had breast reconstruction, breast surgery, mastectomy, or are living with other conditions that cause pain or discomfort because she believes that beauty and comfort should not be a compromise. Here at She Shines headquarters, we are actually obsessed with the page wrap front sports bra. We each wear it all day long without any lines or discomfort. Head over to tiny.cc slash sxsbra or visit the link in our show notes of this episode to shop for $15 off any full price item. That's tiny.cc slash sxsbra. Okay, welcome back to the She Shines podcast. We are so pumped, right, Alex? Yes, we have excited. our first ever guest. Yes, first guest. We are sitting here with our very first guest. Alex, do you want to do the honors? Miss Dana Donafrey of Ana Ono Intimates. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for having me for your first guest. I feel like I've achieved something in my career now. Yeah. Like being like the first <laughs> guest on your podcast. Yes, you exactly. so made it. So, so this stoked. is it. <laughs> Oh, we are so excited. Um, yeah, Dana was actually our very first Crown Diary entry last year. And so it seemed only fitting that we would also ask her back to be our first ever guest for our podcast whenever we eventually launched it, which is now. So yeah. <laughs> we are just excited for so many things. 
Shall we get started with this? Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. And Dana, tell us, let's start with kind of your background story, where you grew up, where you went to school. The background is a long one, but I will, <laughs> I will, I will round it all out for you guys. So I, I grew up in a tiny little town in Ohio. It was literally one of those towns where we grew up driving through cornfields and everybody's parents knew everybody's kids, knew where we were going, what kind of trouble we were getting in, and everything. Um, I grew up in a single parent home. I had an older brother and a younger sister. My oldest brother went um, off to Desert Storm, so there's really only three of us inside the house growing up. And um, I just really had to like fight for everything I had. You know, nothing was ever given to me. Um, I didn't get handouts. Like I started working when I was 10 years old to like mm -hmm. get cash. Um, and, and so all of that, like, you know, built me into like this young adult that like wanted to escape Ohio. Like nobody ever wanted to <laughs> escape Ohio. And I went running um, out to college. I went to school at Savannah College of Art and Design, studied fashion design there. Uh, got to my graduation and I said, where else do you do fashion but New York City? Yes, of course. I graduate from Savannah College of Art and Design. I get in a car, I pack up my life and I get into an apartment in New York City and I start applying for jobs and I was working within like two weeks of being there. It was really fantastic and amazing. Wow. And um, had an incredible career there from high fashion to knitwear design to launching relaunching a label here in the US and just really had a fantastic career. Um, dressed people like Beyonce. And oh my goodness. Before she was Beyonce. Before, yeah. <laughs> Rihanna before she was Rihanna. That's so um, exciting. But though. just yeah, like living that high fashion life. And um and then I moved out to Colorado uh with my now husband. And uh we kind of went running out there and and that's where I unfortunately got diagnosed with breast cancer which we'll dive into later. Mm -hmm. And um, and then after all of that was done, uh, we picked up and we moved to Philly. So here we are. Yeah. Our home is now in Philly. <laughs> Our life is in Philly. My business is in Philly. Um, this is now home. This is home. Yeah. yeah. I love it. So what was your first job when you had finished school and you were in New York? Because I know a lot of our listeners mm -hmm. and our She Shines community that they went to school for something else and then decided to make a change once they're once they were finished or maybe they're already in their career and looking mm -hmm. to make a change. Like, were you always in the same fashion wheelhouse, you know, kind of your whole life and right up when you finished? I got so lucky. Like I, since I was eight years old, started to make clothes. Mm -hmm. um, I, my mom still has all of the embarrassing sketchbooks and <laughs> sketch pads about how you could buy a dress and purple sequins or turquoise <laughs> taffeta or yellow silk. <laughs> Um, clearly that was all the colors in my crayon box, I guess. Uh, and, and so for me, like I always wanted to be in fashion. There was never a question about if that was what I was going to do or not. If I never found a job in fashion, I would have been devastated. I honestly don't know what I would have done. So I just, I, I kind of pulled that lucky stick saying like, this is what you want to be when you grow up. And I actually turned into the thing I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, but you know, like getting out of art school right? Art school mm -hmm. and jumping into New York city where you, I was kind of up against Parsons and I was up against FIT and some of these in Pratt, some of these really well-renowned fashion schools right. where like, as if you were like actually a fashion designer, that's where you were supposed to be. Um, and as a little Ohio girl, I didn't feel confident that I was ready for New York city. 
Um, and, I, and I'm glad, I, I'm really glad I went to Savannah College of Art and Design because I got such an incredible education there. And it really prepared me for my life in New York. And, and it turned out, you know, I was better than a lot of my counterparts yeah. and I got mm -hmm. great jobs, but it wasn't easy. Like you had a, you know, that was back in the day where like email was barely a thing. You were like printing <laughs> out your resume and dropping it off at the front desk oh to my people. Yes. Um, and they were calling you on the phone. It was crazy. I was looking in newspapers to see who was hiring in the fashion industry in New York City. Newspaper. I know. Everybody's like, oh my God, is this woman from like 1980? No, it was 2003. <laughs> It was 2003, you could barely get an email out. Like yeah. barely anybody could email. I was faxing to my factories. Like oh my it's gosh. just, it's a, it's a crazy industry for different reasons. Yeah. But um, you know, you had to get out there and you had to like go up to the front desk, the receptionist and like say, Talk hey, I'm people. a designer. Here's my portfolio and here's my resume. Are you guys hiring? Yeah. You know, it was such a different time. But I'm glad I got that experience because you have to break out of your shell to do something like that. Definitely. Absolutely. Did you always dream of like having your own, your own label, your own designs somewhere? Or was it more of like working for someone? What was kind of your vision? I often say that I do not know a fashion designer that doesn't dream of having their own line. Mm -hmm. Like Absolutely. know them, right? Like it's Donna Karen, mm -hmm. it's Diane von Furstenberg, mm -hmm. it's Coco Chanel, yeah. <laughs> it's Versace, yes. right? It were so such egotistical <laughs> designers that we think everybody should have our name on them. Right. Because that's what you see. That's visually what you see and what you want to create. Like you don't say, you know what? I really want to go and work for the Gap. <laughs> if you're a fashion designer, like you have a vision of what people should look like in real life, and you want to bring that to whoever those people are, whoever your audience is. And so I think, of course, we all dream of having our own lines. And that was a very real dream for my, for me. I wanted to, I wanted to be Donna Karen. Like that's, you know, I wanted to be her. Now you're Dana Donovan. Yeah, now I'm Dana Donovan. <laughs> so going through kind of your timeline, you and your husband used to move to Colorado. Mm -hmm. And that's when you found out about your diagnosis. So mm -hmm. what were kind of the days, weeks, months, you know, after that happened? And how did it kind of shape the woman you are today and leading up to, you know, your amazing business that you have now? You know, life was like any, I was 27 years old. So life to me was everything it was supposed to be. I was having fun with my friends. I had a great job. We just got a condo. I had my own car, like all these things at like 27 years old that's happening. Like life was perfect mm -hmm. um, on so many levels. And uh, I found a lump in the shower um, completely on accident. I was not performing my monthly breast exams or checking myself. I just found it haphazardly and I called the doctor and um, I quickly received my cancer diagnosis uh, in that moment. And we were actually planning our wedding. Our wedding was in two months and I got the news a day before my birthday and, and a day before my bridal shower in Ohio and um, had to like tell all of my guests that I didn't think there was going to be a wedding because mm -hmm. I had cancer mm -hmm. and like, you know, as far as I was concerned, I was going to die you know? And, um, and so, you know, following that, I just really got catapulted into a world that was built for an older woman and not even like older, like my mom older, like older, like my grandma older. 
And for me, it was just, I, I, I felt very alienated in that moment. I felt very isolated and alone because I thought to myself, okay, well, everybody's making me feel like I'm the only 27 year old that got breast cancer. Like my medical professionals are like, oh, honey, you're so young or, oh God, oh dear, we're so sorry this happened mm -hmm. to you. It was like, I was like this freak of nature everywhere I went because of this diagnosis that we, you know, at that point I thought only grandma's got, like right. I thought it was grandma's disease. Like mm -hmm. I didn't think it happened to people my age. Mm -hmm. And so I just started to kind of like, you get in this conveyor belt, like this world of cancer where you're in and out of the doctor's offices, you're trying to figure out how to function and run and manage your own life. I mean, 27 years old, there's no money in the bank. I said life was perfect. I didn't yeah. say I was rich. <laughs> no, no. I'm like, I'm working. I'm, you know, we're, I would lose our house, our car, everything. Yeah. If I didn't have a paycheck. Mm -hmm. um, so I was just trying to figure out how to run, like how to manage my life. Yeah. And that's really when I started to assess all of these reasons why I was now different and why my body was different, why I was different, why everything was different. Yeah. Now, how did you find or did you find community and support as you were going through your diagnosis and as you were starting to grow? And oh no, I mean, you're, you're dealing with two majorly huge things at the same time. And I know a lot of our listeners and community, the biggest thing that, or one of the biggest things that they struggle with is finding community mm -hmm. and support, you know, some of them do have maybe an illness, chronic illness that they're dealing with, or, or it's just building a business, but you were dealing with your diagnosis mm -hmm. as well as a business. And how did you find that community and, and support? You know, I, I, I really encourage people to find their tribe, no matter where it's at, if it's a disease or if it's a mental disorder or if it's um, mothers. Mm -hmm. wives, girlfriends, whatever, like find your tribe because we need each other. Uh, I was very alone and isolated. Like everybody mm -hmm. I was meeting was like over 55 years old, like mm -hmm. on a good day. Like mm -hmm. I think I got, I met a 50 year old and I got super excited about <laughs> it. Um, just really messed mm -hmm. up. But I was like, yay, somebody close-ish. Close <laughs> um, at least her kids are in college. So I feel like she put a like to like live at home. I don't know. Um, and, and that was just, that, that was really, really tough. It was really tough. And I, and I couldn't find people to get associated with. So I knew when I started Ana Ono, so that I conceptualized Ana Ono in 2011, right after my surgeries were all complete and my breast reconstruction was finally done. When I thought my body was going to be normal again, and then I found out it wasn't. Um, that's when it dawned on me, I needed to do something about it. And in that moment, I said to myself, okay, now I had a, now it was kind of forcing myself to get out and find my tribe. Um, and I started to do like activities with like like-minded people. I found a yoga class that was all for breast cancer patients and survivors. And that was really helpful to me because I wasn't only just learning how to like move my body physically. I was also now connecting to people, but that was really hard to find um, back then. Now it's more accessible to find like community meetups, but you know, even, even in that, I, I had to like, my business almost had me out there trying to meet people because mm -hmm. I would meet somebody and I'd be like, Oh, you have breast cancer. Can I ask you questions? Right. They became my focus group. Mm -hmm. And then because they became my focus group, they became my friends. And because they became my friends, they became my community. And then I realized I'm doing more than a bra. I'm bringing women together mm -hmm. and we're talking about issues 
that aren't often talked about in our space. And I'm giving them the safe space to do it because I'm asking the questions, but I'm also putting my life out there. And so what I led was like, what I found was that the bra led to conversations about physical challenges, mental challenges, uh, sexuality, intimacy challenges, mm -hmm. and things that I thought I was just dealing with in my own relationship and in my own house. And we were all dealing with it, yeah. but we weren't talking about it. Yeah. So, you know, with, Ana Ono, our slogan is that you're never alone. And the reason being is because you might feel isolated. You might be in the middle of Idaho and you don't have a tribe, but we're here for you because there's other women that are dealing with the same things that you're dealing with. And we just have to talk about them. Yeah. So if we can be a vehicle to talk about them, then we can give the tools for somebody else to maybe look at their lives and think about their lives and then make progress and change that they need to make for themselves. Yeah. And, and, and it's just so remarkable. Like just, you know, seeing, seeing that, that need or experiencing that need first, that like isolated feeling and not even knowing, like, as you're, you know, you're creating the bra and you're, you're gaining this tribe, you're really filling two needs for women to both feel beautiful, but also creating that community, both for yourself and for so many women. It's just such a remarkable thing. Like that you're able to have this business that impacts women in just so many ways. It's amazing what you've built. Thank you. Um, but yeah, we, we would love to, to learn more and dive into like the early days of Ana Ono, you mm -hmm. know, whenever you're starting, like, you know, you, you had, I don't know, like, did you just have this idea, like an epiphany that like hit you upside the head or like, how did it come to come to be? I did kind of, <laughs> I, I, I like joke about it, but it's not a joke. I, I, you know, when you're on all these medications, you have hot flashes like all the time. One of the most disrupted hot flashes are when you're sleeping because mm -hmm. you like you wake up so hot you're in a pool of like sweat mm -hmm. and like a pool mm -hmm. and you like feel disgusting and then you get cold and it's this whole thing then you have to calm back down again and all this is happening but i literally wake up with a hot flash and i thought to myself like for me at that point in time it was me trying to dress myself and try to get ready to get out of the house to go to work and regrow my hair and my eyebrows and eyelashes all these things were happening at one time and I realized that what was dictating my life every morning was the fact that I couldn't wear a bra. Mm -hmm. And it was changing the way I was dressing myself, which was changing the way I was expressing myself, which mm -hmm. was changing my personality and the person that I am because I felt so angry every morning. And it just, I, I always had a sketch pad by my bed because I would wake up with designs in my head dresses or ways to like change a seam and make it feel cool so that sketch pad was always by my bed and I woke up and I just wrote down bra <laughs> and I was like oh my god it's my bra like it's my bra that's doing this to me right and I was like and then I was like I gotta do something about it at that point I didn't know if it would be a business but I knew I was gonna make I was gonna make myself a bra that's what I knew I was going to do next and then it kind of, you know, it starts to morph. And I thought, oh, maybe I'll have a shop on Etsy. Right. Or, you know, maybe I'll make custom bras for women. But, like, nobody wants to buy this stuff. Like, or it'd be out there already. So, yeah, it literally was a, like a midnight epiphany, which is kind of crazy. I love that. And I, it's something that we try and tell to our academy members and our community. It's like you are filling a need or solving a problem that you yourself 
are dealing with. Right. You know, and the fact that you woke up and we always jokingly today, we actually did this. We have like, we call them brain farts or epiphanies yeah. <laughs> 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 that we text each other. Uh, yeah. Anna Laura is my notepad by the bed. Um, oh my God, this idea came in my head. Um, but I think it, it's so beautiful that you, you know, created this beautiful business by solving a problem that you yourself had, but also that hundreds and thousands of other women are also, excuse me, are also dealing with. Yeah. So in those early days, you know, you, you wake up, you, you did, you had that epiphany um, and you wrote down bra and then what happened? Like, did you immediately jump to work, start creating it? And then like it exploded or what did that look like? Yeah, I have a problem once I have an idea that like really consumes me. So yeah, it was like every waking moment I had that I had the sketch pad down. I was like sketching up bra ideas. I was looking online. I was scouring the internet because I figured somebody else had to do this. Somebody must have done this already. And so like I made it my job to find not only a, well, I made it first my job, make sure that nobody else was doing it. But then I made it my job to actually find a bra that worked for me. And I was traveling the world for my, for my work. I was stopping in Hong Kong and Paris and, you know, Shanghai, all, all over the world. And every time Europe, you know, Amsterdam, wherever, wherever I was, London, I would go into every single lingerie store and I would try on bras. Yeah. And I like made it my job to find at least one bra that fit me. And I never did. But I learned a lot about bras and I learned a lot about what doesn't work because I never found what did work. Mm -hmm. So all I knew was all the things that didn't work. And I knew I had to design around those things. And, and at the end of the day, like fashion designers are designers because we solve problems. Right. And, and obviously there's an artistic point of view to solving those problems, but designers think about how to fix problems in a hopefully a creative way or accessible way. And so that's what I did. I took, I started taking out the underwires. I started removing the boning. I started, you know, altering molded cups like I started just ripping things about apart and putting them back together and and it was a discovery process for me and you know I kind of said I was making a bra for myself but then I realized that I needed to make a bra for everybody because I was asking these women that I would meet what do you wear and they would give me back it, I felt like I opened Pandora's box every <laughs> single time because they would like give me all this feedback that was like so rich content and I was like I was like oh my god like you know, that woman like didn't have a breast at all. Like her problems are totally different than my problems. Um, you know, an, another woman, maybe she was able to like keep her nipples after her mastectomy, which was like a rare occasion back then. And she would like complain about how they were always protruding through her tops. Like everybody had a unique problem. And I was like, how do I solve all those problems in one? And it became like a design challenge, right? And, and so I would hold these like massive fit parties I would just give everybody wine and cheese and then ask them to take their clothes off. I love it. Like, you did your own market research and you had a focus group where everyone took their clothes off. I was like, you're in a safe space. It's all totally appropriate. Now take your clothes off and try on my bras. It's for research. For research. It's research. Here's some yeah. Here's cheese. And Research. that's how I found my community was like finding other young women that I knew like cared about their sexuality and their intimacy and wanted to feel beautiful and sexy. And, and so they were like, everybody was just like, please let us help you. Like mm -hmm. the faster you do this, the more we all benefit. And yeah. I just thought that that was super cool. 
were you ever scared while doing this that like was kind of two-parter like scared going into all these stores trying mm -hmm. on these bras without I'm assuming you didn't buy every bra you no. tried on right and then also did you have any sort of fear like doing this market research and holding these you know quote-unquote focus groups like that people wouldn't come or that you know you would receive maybe harsh feedback or like how did you deal with kind of the mindset going into that like I have this idea I'm going to do it these are the things I know I need to do it am I ready to accept you know what other people are going to say back to me uh yes <laughs> it's like a constant state of self-doubt yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we're not the only one okay no seriously first of all, I'm an artist so I live in a constant state of self-doubt like yep is, is what I make cool is somebody gonna like it do they like me do they like my art do they hate me do they hate the art it's either you like or you hate right like, it's totally polarizing <laughs> um and 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 too like just in life like especially starting a business I mean you have to have really thick skin mm -hmm. and and the reality is is you'll never appease everybody you can never make everybody happy there will always especially in today's environment be haters and trolls it's just the life and if I took everything that everybody said about me negatively to heart I would have closed my business many many years ago but I tell everybody for every negative comment you receive there's a dozen more positives that will lift you up and there's really that reality that, you know, we live in a world where it's easier to tear each other down than it is to build each other up. Mm -hmm. And that's a sad place to reside, but we do. And we have to remember that, like, especially as women, like we are only strong together. And the more of us that we lift up together, the, the better we all become. And we have to live in that environment now because we've spent decades <laughs> suppressing ourselves. Yeah. You know, and I think that it's such a, it's such a huge thing, but like you have that doubt because somebody will tell you, you know, I, and, and I'm in a very emotional space. I try really, really hard to make beautifully designed product, but it's not perfect for everybody. Sure. Even though I, that's my, what I strive to do. There's a reality that I can only achieve so much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I will get that heartbreaking email from a woman that tells me I was her last chance because she went through everything I went through. She went into every dressing room leaving in tears mm -hmm. time and time again. And it breaks my heart. Like I never want to hear that email from a woman. Yeah. Um, and and it, it proves I have more work to do. Uh, but you know, there is that reality that I don't want to let people down either because that is maybe sadder for me than somebody telling me that I made something ugly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's something definitely we all deal with, uh, you know, the self doubt, are they gonna like this product? Are they gonna come to my event? Are they gonna like this post? Are they gonna like this blog? Are they like mm -hmm. my colors? And squirrel brain. Literally, I know for me, every time, like I'm a photographer and every time I go to send a gallery off to a client, I'm like, ooh, I hope they love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope you love the way that I saw you. You know, like I hope exactly. you love what I saw back. Because <laughs> yeah, I, it's, especially as a photographer. I mean, you know, but we're all putting ourselves out there in different ways. I mean, you could be a lawyer right? Yes. And not defend your client sure. appropriately or to your best ability, but that wasn't what they, what their expectation was. Right. So it's like, mm -hmm. you know, it's, we can all be very, very hard on ourselves and we just have to do the best that we can do. Yeah. And I think to what you said, like going into it, knowing that not everyone is going to love you. You're not mm -hmm. for everyone. And I think having that in the back of your mind is a good way to approach you know, starting a business, blog, service, whatever, yeah. whatever you've got going on. Yeah. 
So what were some of the other challenges you faced? I mean, certainly overcoming fear, I think, is probably something you continue to do even today. Um, I don't know if anyone has ever like, no, I'm good. I'm not fearful anymore. No, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to shake their hand if they exist, but until then. Uh, so what were some of the other challenges you faced, whether it's like a mindset thing or like a, like, you know, funding or um, just finding, I don't know, help? <laughs> So many challenges. <laughs> like I think that the expectation should be is that every day will be a challenge. Mm -hmm. Like that, just just set yourself up for that. And if yeah. you have a day that you didn't have a challenge, it's probably because you took a day off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like and you sat on the couch and you didn't move. That challenge is sitting in your inbox and yeah. just waiting for tomorrow. Um, but you know, if you kind of like set yourself up for that, like especially when you're setting out and starting something for, on your own, like just be ready for that. Like be ready for the commitment and be ready for the energy that you're going to expend on something that you really believe in. Because I, 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 I especially now being a business owner and working with a lot of men that are also business owners, we're, we're, we're literally wired differently. You know, a, a, a men are not afraid of failure because they've never had repercussions of failure, right? <laughs> right. Women are constantly afraid of failures because when we're, when we fail, we aren't good enough and there's something wrong with us. Mm -hmm. And so that most of the time when I speak to other women that are saying, I've had this idea for 10 years, I don't know how to take the, the leap. I said, well, what are you most afraid of? And they're most afraid of failing or what people are going to think about them in the event they do fail. And I won't lie. I was afraid of failure. I'm an industry professional. I had a budding career. I would be somewhere making a ton of money right now if I didn't start my own business. Yeah. I was definitely afraid of me starting my own business and failing because if I did that, how was I supposed to run somebody else's business? Right. That was my point of view in my mind. But now that I'm in it for five years, I'm like, okay, so if I run a business and it fails, I ran a business. Right. Holy exactly. crap. <laughs> like, I don't know if we're cussing on this, but yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like I ran a business, like I had employees, yes. I had structure, I had sales and now you'd be like, okay, so I didn't make it. And there's going to be, you know, there would be a reason for that. It wouldn't just be because I closed my door and I said, okay, I'm done now. Right. Like there would be a reason for that. Mm -hmm. And, and that'd be a million. I mean, I'm five years in business. Like the fraction, I mean, like every year I'm in business now, like the odds go lower and lower yeah. that I will remain in business. <laughs> So constant state of fear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but that's, you know, that is kind of the reality. So it's, it's like, what, what's really stopping you? Yeah. That's mm -hmm. the question you have to ask yourself. And, and that's going to be your challenge because that's just your challenge for that moment. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to encounter the next one and the next one. So like, be, but that first one, that first one, like, why am I not? Or if I am, what's really up in front of me? Like you have to have that heart at heart. To, to discover that. Yeah. And so, so much truth to that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it never stops. It's just a constant learning process, you know, doing your own thing or, you know, up leveling your career or whatever you're doing. Just, you're right. It's just that first step initially, a lot of the times that no one gets past and then they just don't do the thing, yeah. <laughs> whatever the thing is. Kind of switching gears just a little bit, but um, you know we're obviously really huge on community and on girl talk. And so, what we want to know is, what is something you want the public to know, or our listeners, our community, about the breast cancer and the mastectomy community? Like that maybe isn't common knowledge, or there's like preconceived notions, or 
and what is something you you want them to know uh, breast cancer is complicated because we have a very marketable disease and people can take advantage of that um, to raise money for places that aren't using the money or like really uh, thinking about like if, if, if you take October for an example, we know that there's pink ribbons plastered on everything and a product might have a pink ribbon on it or might even just be pink. <laughs> and the common conception is that that pink is going to cure breast cancer. I just encourage everybody, listeners, women, just be conscious of what it is that you're participating in. Because mm -hmm. if you've had family members that have passed away from the disease and you want to fund a cure, chances are that, you know, lipstick container on the shelf that's there for the month of October is not going to find a cure for breast cancer. Right. So if you want to spend $50 on that list, lipstick, give $50 to an organization like Metaviber who funds breast cancer research. Mm -hmm. You know, think about, think about where your money actually goes because we are up against a lot of false pretenses. Breast cancer is still a very serious disease, although it's often celebrated like things are getting better. They're not, we're still dying at the same rate we've been dying at for 20 years. So we are not any closer to a cure than what we were 20 years ago. And that's a long time to yeah. have a disparity like that. Um, and so I, I just caution, especially women to be aware, but mostly like monthly breast exams do mean something. And I'm saying that because of your audience, right? And, and our audience, these are our mm -hmm. friends. Um, I wasn't doing a breast exam. I consider myself a lucky mother because mm -hmm. For me, if I did not find my lump, I would literally not be sitting in this chair today. And you know, you know your body best. And if you find something or you see a shift or you feel a swelling or something's hot or you've got a lump, go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. There's never anything to be too proud of in this space and it's not worth the risk. And if that doctor sends you home because you are too young, you go find another doctor because that has happened and that is real. And Women do get breast cancer under the age of 40, actually for over 40,000 women a year to be exact, which is more than 10% of the annual diagnoses. So there's a chance. Yeah. And if it's nothing, great, be monitored. Mm -hmm. um, check back in six months, because there might be a change. And that's super important for our health, yeah. super important. And I know one of the things that even I've learned from following you and meeting some of your community members on Instagram is, and they, I follow the hashtag feel it on the first. Yeah. And it's something that I was not doing, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and even before, you know, I met you and you came into my life, but it's such an easy way too, I think, to get kind of our under 40 community on board with yeah. advocating for women's health and, you know, just being mindful of what's going on and hey girl you know fill yourself up in the shower like totally let's see what's yeah. going on make sure everything is good you know and if it's not go to the doctor and say like this does not feel right right this wasn't there before right like if that wasn't there before number one warning sign call your doctor right mm -hmm. you know and and that's i can't stress it enough because women under the age of 45 are not allowed for mammograms, it's right. not covered by our insurance. That means that there is literally no detection tool but yourself. Right. And mm -hmm. you yourself is absolutely number one, the best detection tool, but you have to utilize your tools. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be a serious, crazy 20 minute breast exam. It can be a quick 
soapy shower moment <laughs> yeah. or like, you know, make it funky, do it yeah. with your partner, yeah. whatever, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> we've got choices, yeah. you know? So just stressing the importance that that's a real thing and yeah, to, to be aware. So you mentioned MetaViber. Are there mm -hmm. other ways that our community can support, you know, the Ana Ono community if they don't have breast cancer? Mm -hmm. Is there still a way that, you know, we can be involved in and support, you know, your mission? Well, the exciting news is, is that um, as two fellow fans of the Ana Ono uh, sportswear <laughs> yes. collection, I'm uh, literally wearing mine right now. So but I wasn't even thinking I've actually been wearing this bra for the past two days. <laughs> we just happened to be recording today and I'm wearing like a white see-through t-shirt and I'm like, oh, hi, it's my Ana Ono sports bra. <laughs> literally, it's because it's the most comfortable thing on the planet. So anyway, I digress. What were you going to say well that that was a perfect plug so I was gonna say, if you really want to support I mean we make beautiful underwire free bras that are for adult women so you know don't think that you're you don't have breast cancer you can't wear my bras it's they're literally designed to keep us all comfortable and protected so um, there's no limitation there but really you know we partner with incredible organizations um, that all depend on what you believe in we do our annual New York Fashion Week show uh, sponsors MetaViver were hopeful to raise $250,000 this year at the show. So I'm super excited about that. MetaViver only funds metastatic breast cancer research, which is the only breast cancer that kills. Um, I love and support the organization called the Breasties. Uh, They're really focused on bringing communi er, community and um, connection to young women, specifically with ovarian and breast or genetic uh, disorders. Mm -hmm. And then uh, if you really are, if you are a breast cancer patient and you're lost or your caregiver needs information or you're a caregiver or your mother has had breast cancer, your sister, your friend, uh, Living Beyond Breast Cancer is an incredible organization that has a lot of information that you can go to and help that person understand what their diagnoses is, get tools to help them get through their therapy. Um, it's really just an all-encompassing, all-around, solid resource for those that need it. Amazing. We will be sure to link all of those yes. in our show notes and also on our blog. So make it super simple for our community to find and support. Um, we will shamelessly also link the sports bra because yes. I like it. Yes. <laughs> it comes in pink and black currently. In our future, there'll be other colors. We will have one of each of them. But no, we're we're just so grateful for you uh, for you know spending this time with us. We have just a couple more questions for you. You, the first one being where can we connect with you so Ana Ono is online it's www.anaono.com if you ever question where the name came from mm -hmm. Ana Ono is my name Dana Donafrey without the double D <laughs> I love it but and we're also on Instagram at Ana Ono Intimates, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, all of them. So please follow us, like us, share the posts. Um, you really honestly don't know whose life you might change by just sharing mm -hmm. something that we have to mm -hmm. offer because a lot of people won't talk about this part of their life and, and your friend might see it and her mother might have breast cancer and say, Oh my god, I just saw this post. This is probably something your mom needs, and this is really how we help spread the word. And the last question, Alex, you want to get into this one? Okay, yes. So 
you're the first person we're yes. we're testing this baby out on <laughs> so we're gonna try and rapid fire okay. and you know over at she shines we are all about connection community and girl talk okay. so we're gonna ask you some rapid fire questions surrounding that so you're next in line you're about to order coffee the person next to you wants to know what's your favorite way to connect with new people having a cup of coffee okay good next, <laughs> next question how can i create community in my life or business put yourself out there and offer your support and expertise last question how do you get your fill of girl talk oh i have a bottle of wine with my girlfriend yeah. <laughs> <laughs> perfect coffee and wine i love it like yeah. let's let's do it well, actually you and bookend yeah. i didn't even intentionally mean to do that but it works <laughs> Perfect. Well, Dana, thank you so much again for taking the time to, to share with our community. It's just such valuable knowledge that you've brought from you know, all of your experiences, just personally and professionally. I, I know our listeners are going to get some amazing information out of this episode. And again, we'll link all of the awesome things that Dana dropped throughout this podcast in the show notes and on the blog. So be sure to head over there to read more. Until next episode, we will, we will chat soon. Yes. See you on the next episode of the She Shines podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on the She Shines podcast. Before you go, be sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on the next episode. Plus, we would love to hear what you enjoyed most. So share a takeaway and be sure to tag us at SheXShines. And lastly, please take a sec to leave a thoughtful review or pass this episode on to someone you feel could use it. Until next time, keep shining. Cheers, girlfriend.